0: Yo, hello and welcome to another episode of the Creative Native Podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. We have a really great episode for you today. My dear friend and just such an inspirational woman, Miss Lakota Beatty, um, who is just doing amazing things, uh, balling and also just being a great inspiration to all of us around the community. So in this episode, we talk about kind of her journey um, through basketball, her family um, to, you know, playing overseas and having now a film about her life and going to the White House just recently for Native American Heritage Month. So just really hope you enjoy this episode um, because it's really great. It's a really great story. And uh, thanks again for tuning in. So Lakota, I would love if you could just start by kind of introducing yourself and maybe telling folks who maybe have, have not uh, heard of you or kind of learned about your story, um, kind of tell people about where you're from and um, just about yourself.
1: Awesome. Okay. My name is Lakota Beatty. Um, I am an enrolled member of the Caddo Nation. I'm from Anadarko, Oklahoma. I'm also a hunk papa from the Spirit Lake Sioux tribe in north dakota and grove on an Assiniboine from fort belknap um i'm 27 years old i am doing a lot of different stuff right now
0: what was it like for you growing up did you um was you was it a small town like what what did you and like what were you into growing up
1: yeah so i actually grew up on 160 acres um Wow. So I definitely was, I grew up a country girl. We had horses and cows. And so, um, you know, running around barefoot outside, that was pretty much all I knew. We lived about 10 minutes out of town. So yeah. we really go, there's a lot of work to do, you know, when you have horses and cows. And so, um, yeah, my parents were athletes though. And, uh, my mom's a boxer softball player, basketball player. My dad played basketball. And so, um, I start playing probably, I mean, I have pictures of me when I was like, not even walking yet and I have a ball in my hands. Um, so, you know, I grew up playing ball. Um, my dad got, I think I, I don't remember ever getting a basketball goal. I remember just always having one and then, I fell in love with it when I was probably like six or seven. And so my mom got me little Nerf goals and yeah. put them in the house. And so when it was cold out, um, I, oh my gosh, I drove everyone nuts, but I'm, I yeah. think I'm glad now that I was doing that. Um, cause I would just dribble in the house and drive everyone crazy. I'm sure. But just working on stuff when I was literally like six or seven years old. So, um, yeah, yeah my childhood was definitely just riding bikes outside with my sisters and like I said we grew up on 160 acres so it's was not it like... a big
0: was it a big family was it just or yeah, was so like it, was just,
1: it was my parents and then my older sister I have an older sister named Ryan me and then my sister Ashley and then um six years later the baby came along but mm. yeah so it was I mean it's not like nowadays like our parents just kind of made us go outside and then yeah we'd come, we'd be gone for hours and come back and uh, no cell
0: phones yeah
1: really no cell phones like I honestly I'm so thankful I grew up in that period of time where we didn't have cell phones I didn't get one until I was probably 15.
0: So you're if so you followed basketball or was there anything like did you have other like aspirations or like did you see yourself going to college like how when did yeah. that kind of come into the picture?
1: So I knew pretty early on I wanted to go play college ball um I would say as young as nine um because my dad played division one and so he would kind of yeah. tell me stories and like he got to go to Hawaii and got to go like to travel to all these places and I was like oh I want to do that and so my parents met at a on the circuit at a tournament um yeah. in Denver, and so I think it was just only a matter of time, you know, my older sister played basketball and then I started playing and then me and my sister, Ashley, we were only 22 months apart. And so we were playing and running around and doing that, like from the time I was little, like six or seven, you know, I think a lot of native specifically, um, I think we're just you know, born natural athletes. (laughs) And so, yeah, from the time I was probably eight, I wanted to go play. And so my parents really early, they kind of thankfully um, stressed the importance of education. And I love school. I love to read. And so that just kind of, you know, that made it easy because I know a lot of people don't like to go to school, but yes, yeah, they told me from an early age that what I needed to do. And I think a lot of people cause I speak and I do camps and they asked me like, how can I get my kid doing what you're doing? And like, honestly, the separator for me was my parents because they always told me like, they told me I could do whatever I wanted to do. Like, um, I ran cross country and I ran track and stuff just to stay in shape. And, you know, I told my parents that the first time I told them I wanted to go play college ball, they were like, well, you can do that. Like, it was never like oh, I don't know, maybe you should try this or maybe this, like they were like a hundred percent in from the very beginning. And so they, you know, they really set me up, up for success and told me this is what it's going to take. You know, you have to have these grades. Um, They got me, I know you're a big Tennessee fan. And yeah. so me, when I was in fourth grade, they got me um, Shamika Holtzclaw's book And yep, they talked, she talked about summit and the workouts they did at 6.00 AM. And so Mm -hmm. I, I was like, mom, I, you know, I asked my parents, I was like, can you guys take me to the gym and I'm going to do these. And they literally explained to me like what to do. And so I was doing those workouts when I was like 10, 11 years old. And I think, yeah. So I think, I mean, oh gosh, the biggest separator was my parents, even now, um, you know, I told them I wanted to go play pro because I took off a couple years and yeah, told them I wanted to. And they were like, okay, what do we need to do? Like, you got to find a trainer. You got to find this, you got to get a gym, you got to, you know, all this stuff. They have always just presented me with solutions um, and never like once doubted me. And then, you know, I start working out trying to get in shape. And I told them, I was like, oh, I don't know if I can do this. Like, it's just, it's so much. I'm so out of shape and once again they were just like you can do it you've done it before like it's it's not a big deal at all and so they really I mean shaped who I was from the very beginning I could I couldn't beat my parents at 21 until <laughs> 12 yeah that's they were, amazing I know they that's were like amazing. we would just be outside during the in the evenings especially in the summertime like you know I begged my dad to pour me some concrete and he wouldn't and yeah. he was like, this dirt is gonna help you dribble so I was learning to dribble in like holes and like yeah i you know I would see like kids had concrete courts and the nicest goals and my dad was like it doesn't matter like I learned how to shoot I made a wire out of a hanger and I put it on a tree and I was like yeah. okay oh so, yeah. yeah I mean definitely so- the difference for sure
0: yeah. So you get to be like me where you're like these kids nowadays, they don't know what, how, literally how yeah Yeah. I mean, I like
1: yeah. When yeah. I train, um, I train little kids and some of my clients will, I get, I'm uh, training downtown at this old church gym. It like barely has windows. Like in the summer, it gets like 116. And some of my clients are like, can we not do the AC? And I'm like, you guys, <laughs> I never thought I would be, you know, yeah stuff, exactly. like it's like yeah so definitely I think growing up in the country and like getting up and having to feed horses and cows and do all that stuff that definitely helped me learn the value of hard work and that I mean yes. you can really do anything you want you know if you're willing to work yeah. hard yeah yeah
0: and those those kind of skills too are just like you don't the stuff you don't learn in college you oh know, yeah and,
1: it's um, intangibles that, I mean, once I finish playing, like, I mean, I apply it to every aspect of my life, like making my bed. And like, that's what my parents, like, um, they taught us how to work like housework. I was like doing full blown housework when I was like six. And I was like, none of my other friends clean or like my mom, she's like, you're not like any of them. You're going to learn how to work hard. And so I just, now I just take pride in if I have to sweep the floor, I'm going to do it the best I can. And, you know, my parents were the catalyst for that for sure.
0: Yeah. It's, there's nothing that can kind of like replace that. There's no education or no like book that can replace that for sure. And, and I was, I was lucky enough. So I was lucky enough when I was at my undergrad at Tennessee, that was when Pat was still alive and Candace, Candace Parker was, was there and it was just, Talk about like a dream time I cannot, to be, yeah. be there. It's just like it's it's so good. It's so it's great. One to, in like, a million.
1: Yeah, once in a
0: while. And like especially women, you know, strong women and um really you know impactful women that aren't. And you're not even talking about them being women, right? Just how, like how how amazing yeah. they are. Just, what what yeah. was it like for you? what was it like for you like transitioning into college and like leaving home and I'm guessing you you left home to to go to school
1: yeah so I initially wanted to go play out of state um I was getting offers from all across the country and um I told my parents like you know I wanted to go out of state and just explore I've always my parents have once again like always told me like go see the world go travel go do this like you can always come back home so um my high school, it's a public school. We were predominantly, I mean, I would say 80% Native American. So mm-hmm. I grew up around thankfully, I grew up around my people. And because Oklahoma doesn't have reservations, we kind of have like tribal jurisdictions. I grew up with what? there are six or seven different tribal headquarters like within the area. So it's not just yeah. one tribe, like you know, most reservations. So Um, my parents, you know, I would see, we had a very, very strong program. Um, I think when I got, I mean, I remember being in middle school and we had gone to state like 18 out of the last 19 years, like it was just expected. And so, um, that helped, helped me, you know, kind of set a path from when I was, you know, fourth, fifth grade and going to play for the Anadarka Warriors, Um, you know, we already knew that we were going to go to state and stuff. And so, yeah, I got my first division one offer in eighth grade. And I remember I had a really great, I had a really great time playing. And that's when my parents were kind of like, I think we were kind of all surprised by it just because I was like, I was only 13. Um, And I didn't expect it to happen that soon. I didn't know it could happen that soon. And so I think we were kind of all like oh wow holy crap this is happening so um from then you know it just it just motivated me even more I think it it scared me a little bit because I was like wow I'm actually doing this but you know my parents just reminded me like this is this is what you signed up for like this is what you wanted like let's see how much harder you can go and so um I, my parents wanted me to stay in state. So eventually I just committed to Oklahoma state, um, which it was only literally an hour and a half away from my house, but my family were so a lot of my mom's family members live up North. So we're not around like cousins or like, you know, close immediate family. That So it was hard. It was so tough going to college. I cried. I mean, at least every day for like a week straight. And, um, I wasn't even that far away from home, but I just, you know, as Yeah. still it's, yeah, you're, yeah. You're, when you're
0: away, you're away.
1: Yeah. It's just very community oriented. Like we're very enmeshed, um, sometimes codependent to fault, but, yes. I, but I, um, yeah, I wasn't that far away from home. And I remember growing up, I'd always see like very, like great basketball players, like had potential to go you know, play four years and get a degree somewhere and even division one, D two, and they would come back after a semester. And so my parents, I remember my parents talking to me about that, like the culture shock and I didn't understand oh, it, but my mom explained it to me because she went to the Navy. She was in the Navy and she left the res and wow. joined the Navy, was stationed in um, San Diego. And I still couldn't understand. Like, I was like, you guys are going to be close. Like I won't, it won't be that bad. And I was like, I went to a school that I mean, I saw maybe there were some natives there, but I was so busy. I was the only out of all the sports. I think I was the only one of the only natives, um, OSU athletics. And so that was, I mean, it was, I could not believe how much it affected me and my mom tried to prepare me and stuff like that, but it was just, I was so lonely. And then on top of that, you're trying to I mean, you're basically getting thrown in the deep end with, you know, workouts. Like I'm up at 5am, like doing Uh work lifting and then classes, and you have to stay above a certain GPA and then trying to have a social life. And then I miss my family. And then you're just trying to produce on the court, in the classroom, in the weight room, training room, like be all these places at once. So it was, it was so tough for me. Like if my dad didn't play, And experience that. I'm not sure how I would have kind of navigated it because there was a point where in my freshman year, you know, it was in summer classes. So I moved to college the day after I graduated high school, and I do summer classes for two months. Then I'm off for a week, and then I go back to school. And it was still summer; it wasn't even in the fall semester yet. And I called my mom, and I was like, "I just want to come home." And she was like, "Just come home. You know, you can start working, or you can." and then my dad got kind of mad and he was like, don't tell her that, like, you know, yeah, <laughs> signed up for, but I think you think of natives that they have so much potential and then they yeah. have people in their lives that, because my mom was struggling too, like, we were, like, I would cry and we were all crying because I was so stressed out, and like, um. so, you know, you see these athletes or, like, you know, when they get full red scholarships, like, um for academics and they go off, and then come back home after a semester, and so that's when, yeah. I mean, thankfully, my parents, well, my dad, I guess, because my mom was like, just come home. You can live at home. You can start working, and then, you know, just in the moment, it's really hard, and so I remember my freshman year, you know, Indian sports. Brent was covering us. Um, yeah. I think there were six of us, and two of them. I had a cousin at Lamar, and then I had a cousin at um, or Roberts, So literally 50% of them was my family. Like we made up 50%. And so, oh, it was super lonely. But as I got, you know, as I got on and got the hang of it, um, I went to the first time I played at KU, um, I walked into a Chili's and we just got done practicing. And these you know, you notice other natives, like you, you can oh, almost wow. sometimes tell what tribe they are when you're kind of just out and about. And so I recognized like, we just looked at each other and they like went nuts and they were like, Oh my God, Lakota baby. Like they had already bought tickets to the game like months before that. Like, and so that was exactly what I needed. Cause I was like, okay, this is much bigger than me. Like this is this isn't just for me and that's when i kind of realized like that gave me the extra motivation i needed to be like kind of get out of my comfort zone and out of my own head and just start realizing what i'm actually doing and what i can do um and so that right there was a huge turning point for me um specifically for the work i'm doing right now yeah
0: yeah that's it's so important to like cuz i i think you get wrapped up kind of in in your and yourself right and like and then you don't see the bigger picture and so that's that's really really important and then I, so I, and then I know you, know you transferred right can you talk about what that what what the, what yeah. that, what that process was like
1: yeah so I um <clears throat> my sister Ashley was getting recruited and we we won state together and I don't think I was ever, it felt like I was not the player that I used to be without her. And so she was getting division one offers and she committed to oral Roberts and Tulsa. And, um, I had, I mean, I had a great time. It was really hard at OSU, but I made like lifelong connections. Like I still talk to my coaches. Um, but overall I just wanted to go play with my sister again. And so I decided to transfer and, um, you know, we were playing together again. And during our time together, we, I mean, when I was at OSU, I had never beat OU. And then I go yeah. to a major and, you know, we walk into Norman and they, I think they were like number 10 at the time and we beat them. Um, awesome. So we had, yeah, we had a, and that was like, I grew up going to OU games and like, um, we had tons of people from Anadarko come watch us. And so, I mean, you think about not many division one natives. And then I was playing with my sister and then we, at one point we were both, both starting. And then at another point, um, my coach couldn't decide who to start. So we were fighting over the starting spot, like physically in practice, <laughs> pushing each other. And like, she started over me one time. And I, was, so
0: intense. I know
1: I was so freaking mad. Like we, I remember we were just shoving each other in practice and then we get done practicing and we're not even talking. Cause she like, is starting over me. But I think that I mean, we were we were basically boxing growing up, like being so physical. Yeah. I think we just made each other tougher.
0: Yeah. Um,
1: so yeah, we got to play two seasons. Well, I redshirted when I transferred and then um and then she played and then we played a season together. And I just remember I I think we had like we went and played Northwestern in Chicago and then you know, we played at KU and we were running out. And I specifically remember like their KU and um, Haskell's native club, they bought tickets and they all came to the yeah. game. It was like packed. And I just, we were warming up and I was, and I remember she looked at me and she was like, these people are here to watch us. I was like, yeah, that is, I was like, that's so that's insane. Like we were just, you know, having a moment on the court and then we ran out and I remember this guy was like, oh, there's those Caddo girls right there. And, you know, I, I, my grandma was full blood Caddo and thankfully we were raised around her. And so I just, I thought i just immediately thought about her and like, you know, what she would think she had passed already, but I just thought about, I felt really, I felt really proud of myself. And I was like, oh, Oh. I was like, this is, this is amazing. I can't believe I get to do this. And then we get to, we played Chicago, we played Northwestern in Chicago and we would literally, and then we had some time. So we went and shopped and we just walked around. And I just remember we were talking. She was like, we're literally, cause the road we grew up on, it's called Caddo road. And, uh, yeah. it's nothing but Caddo's because that's where like, I had great grandparents. Um, my great, great grandma during like the forced removal, they came up, the Caddo's came up from Louisiana um, mm-hmm. and they got pushed and eventually settled near Binger and like, so kind of where I live, there's nothing but Caddo's and, you know, we grew up on Caddo road and everyone in town knows that road and it's nothing but Caddo's. And like, you know, my dad, when we'll, even now we'll drive by it and he was like, this used to be grandma's cousin, like, you know, just these people that got forced there basically. Yeah. And so, you know, I ran out and he was like, there's those two Caddo girls. And I heard that. And I was like, gosh, this is just, it's surreal and I can't believe we get to play basketball at this level and like you know all these people we went to um Arizona State and Rinaldi Basenti Arizona State's Indian Club bought tickets and they came to the games and afterwards yeah. Ronaldi had brought us Indian tacos Navajo tacos I guess yeah. they were and
0: yeah.
1: <laughs> this is the goat like the first native woman to play in the WNBA and like yeah there were about 30, 40 people out there waiting. And we, you know, we took pictures, we signed autographs, like, um, and it was just, I mean, those moments don't, those, they can't even compare to, I mean, the best wins I had, like, you know, I played in the Sweet 16 and like, played at Notre Dame in the Sweet 16. And like, nothing compares to those small moments we had with those, those native people or like, little girls would come up to us and be like, oh, I want to be like you and stuff like that. And it was just, I mean, I'm just so, so lucky that I was able to experience that.
0: Oh, it's, it's so powerful in so many ways. Like, it's just so hard to even like describe, like, I just got chills just talking yeah. about it. Cause it's I like, know. Oh, I you just, could...
1: I had so many moments like that and I could get, it makes me emotional because I think I was struggling. It just, it was enough motivation for me to push through. Cause I was, it was, I was struggling. Like I don't think people realize how, how hard it is to just make it at that level, you know, and I, I didn't want to just sit the bench, you know, I wanted to, I wanted to play and I wanted to produce. And so, I mean, those natives at those games, like, you know, they come in like packs, like, and then, you know, they're trying to give us like, give me turquoise and all this stuff and I like you know I mean I think most natives would just give you the shirt off their back and like yeah well I was like oh no there's rules like we can't take this but you know they gave right
0: us-
1: <laughs> yeah we're trying to pay for our meals and stuff and I was like oh no like everything's paid for like you know and so I think just those moments carried me through the whole process because it was it was tough like you know I, I wish I could have filmed like the struggle of it all, because you know the stuff that we post on social media is like not. It's yes. just high You know, you don't post like yes. you like growing up in yes. the weight room or like injuries and like struggling in class and stuff. struggle. Yeah, yeah. All I don't all the think.
0: all the negative, yeah. all the all the struggle, and just the kind of like you know the, the pressure that it's, you're getting yeah. from every every kind of angle. It's just. Well, and then I just laugh when you're talking about people like they not be able to give you stuff. I'm like, man, if you guys, I wish you would have had the NIL stuff, cause you guys could have made oh my so much gosh. money. <laughs> I, am
1: so, I am so sad. I missed that era because yeah, I definitely would have capitalized on that.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What were, what were you like thinking about? Like, or were you thinking about like life after basketball? Like, were you in like, as far as like what you were studying?
1: I was studying business and I honestly, like at that point, I wanted to play pro and I knew I wanted to kind of play overseas um, yeah. just to travel and live in a different country and kind of experience that. But I was studying and then thankfully, my parents were always like post bachelor's degree. I in in my household, it was never an option of like not getting one like they yeah. always from the get go, like eight, nine years old. They were like, you know, a four year degree is called a bachelor's like that's what you're going to get. And then they were like, you can get a master's degree and even a doctorate's degree. And like, just that alone, having that in my mind, it just never felt far off for me. It was like, oh, I'm eventually going to do that. And that's like, you know, I do all these camps and it makes me so sad because it's like, there are lots of kids who don't have that. Like, yeah, you yeah. Know, I, I knew exactly people what you're that, Yeah. Like I knew people that had the potential and the talent, but they didn't have anyone to push them like. I mean, my parents came to the gym with us and they were, they were in the gym with us till 1130, 12, 12 in the morning, just shooting with us, like just rebounding. Like, you know, I can't count how many times I would tell my mom, like, Hey, can you come rebound for me? Like if the gun was broke or like something. Yeah. Like that. and so that's, I mean, with my camps and stuff, you know, I tried to, I tried to do that, but I'm only one person. And so that's, that's the hard part of seeing it's seeing all these talented kids and like, you know, they don't have a support system. Like, and so I try to be that, but you know, I'm only one person. So yeah. I was studying business and I just knew I wanted to play pro. And then um, I wasn't, I graduated in 2017 with my bachelor's and I was working on, um, on my MBA. And so, you know, I didn't know what I wanted to do, but my parents were I was like, you know, you get a master's degree in business or something like that. You know, you can, yeah. pretty much, I mean, you can pretty yeah. much get, get any job you want. Um, and then my sister passed away. And then that's when I I kind of just I didn't want to play pro anymore. I was just like over basketball. just, I mean, you know, you have a loss. It just kind of changes your entire direction of life or everything you thought you knew kind of goes out the window. So um yeah, that's kind of how that went.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I was wondering kind of like how that was how in your sister, I'm sure just like through the trajectory out of whack could you end up going home or how
1: How did how did you yeah. kind of process so I that was, um let's see I was going into my last year of basketball um I was a grad student you know I was really excited to be working on my MBA because I think my mom she was like you know there are, I think there are like two people who have our master's degrees in our family and so I was really excited to be doing that um so I just, I started my MBA the day after I graduated and then I had a back surgery. So I was kind of already going through it. And then, um, yeah. and then, you know, my sister took her own life. And so we were, she was going to be a junior in college and I was finishing up my last year. And I was just like, you know, I need to play really well this year to get a contract and go overseas. So after that, I mean, after she passed away, I, um, I redshirted. They got me a medical redshirt. Um, mm-hmm. you're only allowed two. And I had already taken my first one when you transferred D1 to D one, you have to redshirt. And so I <clears throat> I was medically redshirting. And I think, you know, I I haven't told this story a lot, but my one of my uncles, my mom's youngest brother, he um, I mean, he's a boxer and like you, know, they just grew up boxing, they grew up on a big ranch and so in Mont in the mountains in Montana. And so, I mean, the, he kind of like it, I remember it being the day of her funeral and he came up to me and, you know, I mean, I had just buried my sister like two hours before. And when you're doing that, I just, you kind of dissociate. Like I wasn't able to cry as much as I need, as I was going to cry. Like I had at that period of time. Um, Yeah. He came up to me and he was like, um I I said I wasn't going to play ball like I was done playing ball um and I had made my mind up but I was still somehow I was able to stay eligible with my master's I was working on my MBA still and so it was the day of her funeral and he came up to me and like there's so many people there and like at that point I was I we got done and I was at home and he kind of put his arm around me and he was like you know I think you should think about playing next year for your sister and I was like No. (laughs) I was just, yeah, dramatically, I was like, no, like I didn't want to hear it. Like, but I respected him. And you know, you respect that your elders. So I, you know, I heard what he had to say. And he was just like, you know, we're buffalo people. And I was like, what? And he was like, Do you know what that means? I was like, no. And he was like, you know, our people, um my Lakota and Dakota people, we followed the buffalo back in the day, like on the plains, because they knew where the water was like we hunted them and they they gave us life and kept us alive. And so he told me like, you know, buffaloes, like we used to follow them, but when there's a huge storm and in Montana, the snow can get like literally five, six feet. Um, so the winters are freezing. And I think about, you know, I was there recently and I was like, I don't think I'd be able to survive. Like I had a huge parka on and I'm like, I cannot believe my people <laughs> back in the day. Like, you know, I, yeah. these, just, these little moments of realization, like, holy crap, I'm so spoiled. And so, you know, yeah. he, he, when the storms come, the Buffaloes kind of just walk straight through it. You know, they don't turn away. They don't try to hide. They just walk straight through it. And so I still didn't want to hear what he had to say. I was like, I literally, no, I'm not playing. Like, and then, um, I, that stayed in my mind. And then a couple of months later, my parents were like, you know, maybe you should just try and play, you know, it would be your last year and her last year, and you could just finish it out, finish your basketball careers for the both of you. Um, mm-hmm. and I had started to come around a little bit to the idea. So when they, when they phrased it that way, I was like, mm, yeah, maybe. Cause I think, I was in therapy, thankfully. And I think I was able at that point to look ahead somewhat and say, like, I don't want to regret not finishing playing for us. And so I was like, that can close the chapter. So wrote a letter to the NCAA um, and they granted me a sixth year. So I started, you know, I that story that my uncle told me the day of my sister's funeral, like it had played in my head. And so like, you know, I decided the easy part was deciding I was going to play, but it was actually like getting back into it. I was like, "Holy crap! Why am I even doing this? I don't even need to do this." You know, Um, I had gotten I got really sick after my sister died. Like, I went from like one hundred and fifty to like I was like one hundred and fifteen. Like, I'm yeah. I could have probably just wasted away and like, oh. you know, I was going yeah. to all these doctors and like all this stuff, and they couldn't figure out what was wrong and, um finally I kind of got in a groove and I was like oh you know I just it kind of thankfully I remembered how much I loved basketball and so yeah I decided to play again and it was probably the hardest thing I've ever done just because I'm so competitive and I was still competitive that I didn't want it to just be like oh she's so strong like she's on the team like I was like I have to be the best person on the team and I have to do this and this and this and it was a good thing and a bad thing because I put a lot of pressure on myself and um, looking back on it I just remember I would like be sobbing in the locker room right before the game and my coaches would just look at me and my teammates and like there's nothing you can do at that point you know what I mean like there's nothing that's gonna make it better like it just was something I worked through and thankfully um, you know I made it through and I just remember like I remember playing at, um, s- somehow I had the best season of my life that last year. And I remember going to, um, we played in Fargo and wow. in Dakota. And I was like, this is, you know, I would just, my mom always told me like, this was whenever we'd go up there, we'd go visit her every summer in 48th, like standing rock area. She would yeah. tell me like, you know, our people lived here. And so <clears throat> you know, I went up there and I was like, this is my people's land. I was like, that's crazy. Like I get to play ball here. And so I walk in, I remember I was really depressed. Like my uncle came to the game, the one that told me that story. Um, he came to the game and I remember just, I was, Oh, I was, I was struggling. I was having such a hard time before the game. I didn't want to play. I had really bad anxiety. And then I ended up hitting 37 and I was like, what, what is even going on? Like, and I was happy because my uncle was there, but I think I thought about it and I was like, God, this is my people's land. You know, I don't, I need to play as best as I can. And, you know, and so even then, like, it kind of felt like my people and, you know, who we are as indigenous people that kind of still carried me through, you know, in that way. And so that year was, oh, that year was tough, but I made first team on conference. And, um, I think I, you know, I think I had a lot of people, like, especially at away games come up to me and they were like, you know, I'm so proud of what you're doing. And like, you are inspiring me to push through. And like, so that, I mean, that made me, that made me feel a little better, especially looking back on it now. I'm like, I'm so glad those people said that to me, but at the time I was very 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 depressed i mean i was in therapy three times a week and like i was barely getting by but i'm just so thankful i decided to push through you know because um after i finished playing i i was done i was like i don't want to play basketball i was so glad to be done and um, literally just last year i kind of started missing it and i was like i think you know i think i might want to go play go play pro or go play somewhere and um, I was able to use that game film to get me a contract. (laughs) So it kind of all, you know, it all works together, work together, you know, I'm thankful I was able to have a lot of people support me and just thankful I was able to push through because the opportunity is just that got me. Um, they're still helping me, you know, to this day. Yeah.
0: And like, I just, just hearing you speak about it, just thinking about like not only, you know, processing your your loss of your sister, but you know, like you said, like having that, your your you know, you're thinking about, you know, where you've come from and your ancestors and all that, like just non-natives just don't 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 wouldn't I don't think understand. Yeah. You know, and like just the amount of amount of pressure that you you're just dealing with. Um, you know on a daily basis like that is um so amazing so I I would love to hear like how did the film come about with Kyle Bell yeah
1: so um so Kyle Bell he's a Creek filmmaker he's out of Tulsa Oklahoma and I actually played ball with his cousin in high school um and so we had been we were good we were good in high school um I think I only lost about I think I lost eight games my whole career. And so, um, we were primarily non or primarily native. And so, um, I committed to OSU and then I was at OSU and he had wanted to do a film with me just on my process. And I, we, I was just too busy. It was just, it was so much to do. And so, um, we never got around to it. And then my sister passed away and he had reached out to my mom I think it had been a couple years, maybe like two years after she passed away in 2017. And she was like, you know, I think Kyle kind of wants to do something with mental health. Um, And I just immediately said, no, I was like, I was struggling so bad with my mental health. Like I just, I couldn't even at that point, like I had played and then I wasn't playing anymore. So I, I was just struggling to get you know, to just get out of bed and do daily activities, like clean my house, yeah. you know? So I was like, no. Um, and I'm super hard headed and I, no one can really change my mind. So my mom yeah. kept asking and asking, and asking, and then I got invited to do a camp and, um, I went and did a basketball camp and a lot of this region that I was in, they had one of the highest suicide rates in like the whole world, um, especially geographically because they don't get a lot of sunlight. And I don't think we realize how much, you know, sunlight plays a part in, in our health and our wellness and stuff like that, you know, just getting vitamin D for, um, just to sustain us. And so I went in and I was like, wow, this is going to be super heavy. Cause I was still, I was very deep in the throes of my grief process. Um, I don't think as native people, we don't really talk about grief and specifically for my family, because um, my grandparents were forced into boarding school. My mom went to boarding school Um, and you just don't talk about stuff. We weren't allowed to. I mean, you know,
0: you're you're taught to just like pack it away.
1: You just pack it. And then if you like, I think within our native communities, it's like, I can't think about how many times I've heard this saying, like, not just from uh, my own family but different Native families like stop crying or I'm gonna give you something to cry about like I just were right. not, you know we're not emotionally aware of um, just any of that like healthy grieving and so I was still kind of navigating that um, but he I think it was it's been about a year and a half and he approached me again and at this point I had done about 20 camps. And when I went to that camp at that place, like, I mean, there were 60 something kids there. And out of that, like at least like 20 of them, like a fourth of them had lost someone to like suicide, like parent, a sister, brother, like immediate family member. And these kids were playing ball. Like I, you know, I went into it and I was like, I was, I was super, um, I didn't like sharing my story at that point. You know, I just wanted to kind of get away from it. Um, But I went in and we just played ball and those kids were so happy and like, you know, they were struggling with so much. Like, I think losing my sister as an adult because the suicide grief is so much more complex than any other grief. I, it was so tough to navigate. And so those kids, I mean, literally I was working on my MBA still and I was like, those kids helped me so much more than they even would know at this point in time. And I switched my master's degree to counseling right after that trip. And so I was like, I need help. Our people need help. We don't have to live this way. Like, you know, it's, it's preventable, you know what I mean? And so um, I, thankfully my love of reading, I got into just reading all of these books and like on epigenetics and um, all of this stuff because I think you know I grew up with I have alcoholism in my family and substance abuse and yeah. I think yeah. I kind of remember growing up and I was kind of ashamed to be native because it felt like yeah every yeah. Native I knew was like getting thrown in jail or like alcoholics or like you know and now that I look back at it it's like yeah. they're struggling like with trauma and stuff that you know we can heal it takes a lot but we can heal it and so you Know I would just remember growing up, I was always scared. I was like, what if I become an alcoholic? Or like, what if I become a, right. diabetic, a diabetic? Or like, what if I like, you know, it's like you have no control over your genetics. And that's what I thought until I started right. all these books and doing these studies. And like, and so at that point, I was very submerged into um the psychological aspect of grieving and just wellness and just getting better and like, you know, trying to change the course of my life. Um and so I, you know, I told Kyle, I was like, yeah, we'll do it. And so, um, you know, we immediately started filming and he really just like the, his vision, it's definitely a craft. It's like an art form of oh, filming and he helped me see that side of it. But, um, we finished up, uh, literally a month ago. So we had been filming for about a year and a half and during the time he got a, um, a mentorship with Spike Lee and so I've gotten to meet a lot of really cool people it's it's you know released in New York I just got back from Nike headquarters and it released there and so um I'm going to Yale in two weeks you know Ivy League they reached out and want to screen it and um awesome I mean I'm just thankful that this conversation is happening you know now I get a ton of messages of like thank you for sharing this or just speaking up about it and um I mean, it helps. This film has helped heal, um, you know, me and my family's journey going through this because, you know, we're going to grieve forever. And um, that's just how, you know, that's just how it has to be. But yeah, we're finally finished with the film. Um, I'm working on a release date right now. I wow. I just have going on. Um, wow. So I'm trying to figure out when to release it. But Yeah. When I release it, it'll be on my website and everyone will be able to stream it or, you know, share, share it. Um, I'm getting a lot of requests to come out and show it. I'm going to um, Fort Hall, Idaho after Christmas. And I mean, I'm just at this point, I'm just thankful because I love to travel. And so I get to do that for a living. So it's kind of, I mean, it's, it's taken this, this course and I'm just, you know, kind of going along with it.
0: Yeah, no, I, I'm so excited to see it, and I'm so cool to see you at the headquarters, you know, and Serena Williams building, and all these, like, you know, yeah. mm-hmm. right? all these great things, and I'm gonna definitely try to get you out, we'll, we'll get you out here to Seattle for, yeah, to for sure. Uh, I, I'm sure we could do it at Seattle and UW too, I'm sure they would love, love to, yeah. ha- to have you, and, um, uh, and so, and then you, you are still playing, right? You're still playing. Yes. You, you just got back from New Zealand, right?
1: Yes. Just got back from New Zealand about a month and a half ago. Um, that That's ha- amazing. Yeah. That happened really, really quick. I, I'm, like I said, I'm not in full shape. Um, But I, wow, that was a process. I had knew some guy and they had last year was the very first year that New Zealand had a pro team. I didn't even know they had a pro team and someone asked me like where would you want to go play pro and I was like New Zealand like you know I just thought about the place that I wanted to live and visit and um experience a different culture and you know they're indigenous people as well and so yeah. it really quick like I um so I they told me you know I signed a contract and they were like we need you here on this date and um I didn't know I needed an immigration waiver. So I was scheduled to play on like the 14th. And I was gonna have to go to Invercargill, which is like a they have a North Island and a South Island. So I buy I buy a flight, super expensive, non-refundable, because it was like I had to leave in like three days. Um, just because of the time change, I wanted to get adjusted and practice with my team, and so. Um, yeah. literally get all the way to, I was supposed to go to Vegas, to Honolulu, to Auckland. I get to Vegas and they're like, you need a waiver. Like you can't get on the flight. And I was like, you're joking. <laughs> I was so stressed out. I was crying in the airport. And I was like, it's not going to happen. Like uh, my parents bought me a plane ticket back home that night. And I was just, I kind of gave up and I was like, I'm done. Like, it's not meant to be like, not right now. I just, you know, and I'm getting older. So I was like, I need to, if I'm going to go, I'm going to, I need to go soon. Cause I had a back surgery. I had a hip surgery and I'm 27. Wow. You know, I'm getting older. <laughs> and I, I literally had this existential meltdown. And then my parents were just like, I told them I wasn't going. And then they were like, Nope. You you know, you're basically, they were like, no, you're not going. Like my mom, she kept texting me. She's like, don't give up. Don't give up. It's going to happen. And I was like, how, like, it's not going to happen. Like I was freaking okay. out. And so. um, thankfully my tribe reached out and they wanted to help. So, um, I got a plane ticket and I was, I literally two, I got home and then I had a day to rest and just kind of collect my thoughts. And then I bought the ticket for the next day. So I was home for about 18 hours, went back when I figured it out, I was like, actually going to go. I was like, oh my gosh, this is happening get off the plane. It's like a, I went to Honolulu, like eight hour plane ride. And then to Auckland was like a nine hour plane ride. Um, it's the time change messed me up. I, I literally had all these barriers and I was like, I'm setting myself up for failure basically because oh. we got off the plane, went straight to practice. Um, I Gosh. literally was like trying so hard not to throw up through the practice. I was so exhausted. Like and then I was supposed to be there for two weeks just to get adjusted, you know, um, got off the plane, went to practice the next day. I had to leave, go to Inver Cargill to the tournament. Um, and then I played the next day. So I was there for about 30 hours and then I had to play, played horrible. The first, um, the first day, like didn't even really score. And I was like, called my parents and I was like, I'm just not ready for this. Like, I don't, I do you know, I'm not sure what's gonna happen. I needed to play well to pick up a bigger contract. So, you know, I was just like, I'm I'm not real sure, but I'm trying to enjoy it. Um so then the next day, you know, my mom we used to go play um in these three on threes, like all over when I was little. And so my mom, I was playing three on three over there, like that's what it was. Um, they have FIBA three on three, which we don't have it really in the States yet, but it's pretty Um people play it internationally. And so that was my first time playing it since I was little. Um, but she was like Yeah, it was just in
0: the Olympics too. Yeah, literally just in the Olympics.
1: And so she told me, like, she was like, You've played throughout there's like a there's a system to it, like there's a technique to it that helps you get points. And so that was my first time playing it since I was like 10. And when I'm 10, I'm not playing pro three on three, you know. But she told me she was like, You've done this before, like you you know you, you used to go play in these tournaments and get in fights and they don't call fouls and like cuz over there they basically didn't you didn't need a ref like they it was literally yeah. the most physical ball i've ever played like so then finally i found a groove the next day and i started to shoot really well and so um i played well enough to pick up a bigger contract i'm a free agent right now so i'm hoping to go back in june um and i'll play 5 on 5 like the whole season and so that was just, um, I mean, another big, I think when you're grieving, it's very hard to get out of your comfort zone. And, you know, I think most of the time I would be like, you know, I'd rather just stay at home in my bed or like, you know, not getting myself, putting myself out there. Cause I mean, when you do, you're subjected to like these feelings that come up and just like, you know, I grew up watching well Rider with my sisters and I remember my sister, Ashley telling me like, she was like, sissy, we need to go to that beach, um, you know, we need to go swim in that ocean when we get older. And I was like, yeah. gonna, you know, I was like, let's write it down. We're going to go. Yeah. So I played. Um, and the day before I left, I got to go to the beach and I was just, <laughs> I was just standing there and I was like, wow, this sucks. Like, I made it. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. And in a sense it was like, I made it like I'm here. I signed a pro contract, you know, all this stuff I wanted to do, but in the same yeah. the same turn, like she's not here. And like, you know, we had all these plans. And so I think grieving, um, I would say I'm an expert griever now. So I <laughs> to, you know, just process it. And it sucked. Like, there's no way around it. Like it's horrible. And I was like, you know, I was kind of mad. Cause I was like, I could be at home, not having to feel like this and not putting myself out there. But, you know, at the end of the day, I'm like, I'm seeing the world. I'm getting to play pro. Like I am just a little Indian girl from Cattle Road.
0: <laughs> like,
1: yes. you know, I was able to go do that. Um,
0: so, yeah, the dirt, the d- like dirt driveways, literally yeah.
1: playing on the dirt. And so, I'm. I now have the tools and the coping skills to like, I can fill all this stuff, but also see the bigger picture at the same time. And so, that was. Yeah. I mean, that was huge for me. So I'm excited to to go back, um, you know, I'm going to bring my family. I, so many natives, they were like, we're going to come visit you. Like you got a place we can crash. And I was like, oh my gosh, I've literally done (laughs) it, but I'm like, yeah, Yeah. you know, we'll y'all can shack up in the living room or something, but like, yeah, it's, it's, I mean, it was a great experience, like, especially getting to experience another, another culture. Their people are just like us and they've had their colonization they're still under british rule and so um yeah
0: it's the it same just to call it totally different yeah. like the other side of the world it's amazing Literally,
1: it's it's crazy you know like the effects of colonization you can you can see it in all these in these people but they're so resilient and like unlike americans like i think we're so like I mean a lot of the world is driven by capitalism, but we're just like, yeah. you know, we have to produce and produce content and all this stuff. And like, yeah. you know, they just are chilling and they're like not in yeah. it. So I definitely needed um needed that medicine. And I just, you know, I can't wait to go back and uh especially do the work that I do. Um, I'm gonna, you know, try and do it over there as well because you know, they're indigenous like us. And so
0: yeah. Um,
1: it was, it, it was great. It was, it was really, really cool. Um, I'm glad I did it.
0: <laughs> yeah. That's so awesome. And like, yeah, it's, it's amazing to me too. And I, I, I was going to ask, the last thing I'll kind of ask you about is the DC trip because, you know, I learned really quickly and when you start meeting other natives you know there might be so many differences but like there's still something like there's a thread that like kind of keeps us all together and like yeah it's it's so cool to see like we might have completely different you know traditions or things that we eat or kind of art or all these things but like there's something that like binds us all all together so how how was the trip to bc so you just came back from the kind of Native american heritage month celebration Yes. at the white house
1: yeah so i was in oregon um at nike headquarters and then i got invited out there right before i went to oregon so i came home i was home for about 18 hours um quick turnaround and then i flew out to dc and so they had me speak on a mental health panel um and i i i really enjoyed doing that um now, I think, especially when you're in DC, now you're talking about policy and um, different stuff like that, implementing and what, basically what our people need, you know, what we haven't had from the government. Um, So I, I always love, and I'm not afraid to go anywhere and basically advocate for that. Um, I got to meet like the director of the, the human health services at DC. So like basically if they don't get that funding or a law passed like you know we don't get like programs like IHS like we don't get stuff so I really become interested in that like the policy because um, I'll be a licensed counselor after I finish playing and I mean we need resources you know I think we talk about Mm -hmm. mental health and I think mental health is especially for indigenous people who we have all these traumas like it's so much more than like I think mental health gets confused with like mental illness. And I think a lot okay. of our people are facing, you know, mental illness, like substance abuse and all this stuff. And um I was really interested. I've really become interested in the policy part and the laws, and, you know, just enacting change. So that was really i loved I loved being up there. like that was that was really cool to me. Um. And then the next day, we went to the we got invited to the White House. and it was a reception. and That was that was cool. Like I I, it was never a dream to mine to go to the White House, but when the opportunity came, I was like, wow, this is like once in a lifetime. Um, so my parents, um, they're my managers for like my work stuff. So, like, you know, I got my dad in, and so it was just me and my dad going to the White House. And I was like, you know, we're walking up and I was like, Dad, like we're just two people from Caddo Road and we made it into the White House. And he was like, Yeah, that's pretty cool so we get in there and like there I think about 200 people got invited and um the first lady was there and Deb Holland was there and um we were <clears throat> uh we were about 200 natives deep in there and I was like I hope everyone is on their best behavior tonight <laughs> so yes. I down, oh, yeah I'm like wow someone's please don't act up um, in the White House I was like kind of on edge all night I was like oh god I let's just let's let's act civilized and then let's just get out of here and have a great time <laughs> so yeah there was um, this girl did a hoop dance for the first lady and it was like I got super super emotional because I think you think about like I know a lot of non-natives probably think that the relocate the forced relocations and all this stuff was like so far behind but it's like very present for a lot of us like all Uh the traumas you know it's just like I feel like I just carry it with me everywhere now and so um I got emotional when she hoop danced and like they have portraits of like Thomas Jefferson and George Washington and all these like essentially all these Uh powerful colonizers (laughs) colonizers <laughs> literally yes powerful yeah. colonizers that kind of stripped us of you know everything and like Abe Lincoln and I know Abe Lincoln's famous for like freeing the slaves but he also hung 38 of my Dakota ancestors and like people don't know that like in front of mm-hmm. their families and that's so traumatic like you know and that wasn't too far long that wasn't that long ago and so um it was it was crazy to see, you know, I walked into this, we're in the East Wing and they just opened up every like three different rooms. And we were just able to mingle and like they set they had hors d'oeuvres and drinks and like um I it was kind of funny because I walk in there and there's this this native auntie and she's literally just like laying on this couch drinking her drink and I start, <laughs> I started cracking out. I was like, you know. And- non-natives would just be kind of sitting in here like not wanting to sit on the furniture and we're just like literally right. taking over there was not an empty couch and these are like nice like they they look like 18 18th century couches like and i was just it was that brought me so much joy because i'm like we're truly just making this our own and you know everyone's yes. mingling and talking they're like oh i'm from here i'm from here and it's like oh you're my cousin or you're my auntie like it's just it was It was so fun. It was definitely. It was also monumental. You know, they had never had a celebration for natives there. Um, Yeah. You know, I'm kind of. I think with our government, we've experienced the broken treaties and all of that. So it was so much
0: mistrust and so so much mistrust. Yeah, Yeah. a lot
1: of us are kind of like hesitant to go or like just. You know, there's a bunch of mistrust there, and still, we our people need resources. Um, so, but I definitely kind of just, I had to put those thoughts on the back burner and just enjoy it. And it, I mean, it was, it was really great. Um, in set I'm within seven. And so they had, they brought most of the ambassadors in. So we were all there and it was, I mean, it was a huge moment, like, and I'm so, I just got to experience it with my dad and, um. It was great. I I'm so thankful. You know, I'm so thankful. I said yeah. yes and kind of get out of my comfort zone because I'm naturally introverted and um, I would rather yeah, be at home with my yeah. I would rather be at home with my dogs a lot of the time. But I'm glad I went. It was it was really really cool, for sure. Yeah, yeah.
0: No, I was uh, I was texting Elise. I was like, I'm so jealous. I was like, I wish we were there. <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> so I like, I know. Oh I was God. like,
1: I don't. What were the they invited, I was like, what are the stipulations to be invited? Like, can I bring this? Like at first I was like, can I bring my dad? Like he's my manager. And they said no at first. And I was like, oh my gosh, I know. So then I I eventually, you know, got him in and I'm like, I wish, you know, there's 50 people that I wish could be here right now experiencing this. And it was, it was great. I hope I, they said it's going to continue. Yeah. As long as everyone, everyone everyone Yes, we've, that's it. literally, you guys are the first people I thought of. I'm like, oh, we could be yeah. networking. Here.
0: Yeah, we're, it's, it's yeah. really great. And, and we're, our, we're trying to get kind of things together for, for final four again, and we'll Dallas, definitely yeah. have you. Happy there and um i'm just so thankful for you for sharing all all of your your story and i can't wait for the film we'll be sure to keep people aware of that and share that um and yeah and just good luck with um everything that you're doing i mean it's it's really it's really amazing and um you're inspiring to not only the kids but the old, uh, older people too
1: <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much at this rate, the chance will not last. and you gotta act fast, pull up the slack, pick up the traps. Cause you still got time for one last dance. Still got time to have a blast. So special way you hate. Work hard to make life great. Quit is the third weight, quit it's the third weight. Not a piece of cake, but you can create a new life that will never take you out of poverty, it's never too late. Life will come in you fast, life come in fast, life will come in you fast, life will coming fast, you fast, life
0: fast, come like fast, 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 fast life fast, come fast. Fast, fast, fast,
1: coming, come fast, fast, coming fast. fast, 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 fast. fast.